Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. My guest this week is Kirsten King, the founder and principal instructor of Fluid Form Pilates. Like many who work in the fitness industry, Kirsten didn't start there. She initially worked in marketing for 10 years before turning to Pilates full-time, which gave her the perfect background and understanding of how to develop a brand and the business that surrounds the brand. Since founding Fluid Form in 2012, Kirsten's name has become synonymous with a coaching style that is supportive and encouraging, combining highly personalized programming with an in-depth technical knowledge. Kirsten offers a modern approach to Pilates that is engaging and enjoyable. In April 2019, Kirsten launched Fluid Form at Home. Now, this is an online subscription-based Pilates program. The business was going well and posting subscribers from all over the world when, of course, had COVID hit. Fortunately, they were perfectly positioned to deal with the increase in online subscriptions and the business quickly experienced huge growth during this lockdown period. For all the obvious reasons, it's one of those businesses that has gone crazy during a rising tide of people staying at home and wanting to exercise from home. I'm going to ask Kirsten about how did she get into this business? Like, How did she go from being a commerce graduate to then running a location-based Pilates business, but also an online business as well? And how did she do that transfer? What are those moments or circumstances that drove her to do this? So let's get into it. Kirsten King, welcome to The Mentor. How are you going? I'm well, thanks. Thanks now, for I got, having me. I've got to declare, I do know your husband, Matt. Um, great bloke. He's on the, the uh, coaching staff of the, uh, the Roosters. Um, he's one of our great assistant coaches, him and uh, Craig Fitzgibbon. Um, wonderful guy. I really like him. And I actually do remember him, more importantly, I remember him from the days when he played Origin for New South Wales when I was a sponsor many, many years ago. Great bloke, um, and it's no surprise to me that um, he has a wonderful wife and who's doing great things as well. No wonder he's always so happy because he's always smiling <laughs> the guy. So I, I just want to go back a little bit. You're, sure. you're both pretty young, um, but this is not about him. This is about you. So let's go back to how you got into Pilates in the first place. I mean, I, I read in the brief that you got a, you studied commerce at university. Yeah, I did. Um, are you from Melbourne? No, I'm a Gold Coast girl. Yeah, so uh, – you moved to what when uh, Matt went to play footy down there? Yeah, well, I finished uni yep. um, on the Gold Coast and ha- got a job in Melbourne. Was so. it Q? Queensland no, I went University. to Bond University. Oh, yeah, Bond, yeah, yeah. One of my sons did went to Bond. And yeah. uh, you got a commerce degree from there? Yeah, commerce degree from there. Got a job in that final. They're, they're a fabulous union sort of setting up, Correct. you know, jobs after. Yeah. So I moved, literally finished my exams and moved straight to Melbourne. 
Right. And, oh, and you got a job in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, I got a job in Melbourne. In commerce. In commerce, yeah. yeah. And, and what were you doing? And who did you work for and what were you doing down there? So I was working down there for Telstra, so telecommunications. Yep. And during that time, I also worked for a couple of startups. So mainly general marketing and then initially business to business, but then into sort of more consumer behavior marketing. How many, are we talking about nearly 15, 16 yeah. years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so 15, 16 years ago, um, social mediums, so it really weren't a thing. No, I think like when I finished university, I think Hotmail and emailing was just starting to become a thing. Yeah. And so there was no such thing as Instagram. Facebook happened, you know, maybe sort of six, seven years after that. Yeah. So there was, it was just good was old just above the line. Yeah. Advertising back then. Yeah. Radio, television, yeah. newspapers, magazines. Yeah. yeah. And outdoors, of course. Yeah. And, and. At Telstra, what did you learn? I mean, apart from the fact that you probably never want to be with a massive organisation again in your life, but what did you learn at Telstra that you think has carried forward to you today to be of a benefit? I think just that sort of hard work and lots of like analysis for me because it was always you weren't able just to spend a buck on anything. So Because they're pretty tight at Telstra. Very. People don't realise this. Yeah. And there's meetings for the sake of meetings. So everything takes twice as long as it should. And you really need to know every dollar you're spending, what you're getting back for it. So I guess for me, it taught me um, to be super conservative in terms of spending money and in terms of marketing and building brand, like to really think through the process. So I'm not the best creative from a marketing point of view, but I know what the outcome is that I want. And then obviously. And you can brief a creative. Of course you can. Yeah. So, so in other words, in terms of building the brief, what, you, what you're saying is what you learn from working at a big organization like Telstra is to make sure every dollar counts and make sure you understand the analytics so you, you can actually prove your theory. Yeah. In terms of before, before you go for, go for the campaign, um, you've got to sort of come up with a, an algorithm as to, you know, what, how this should, the outcome should be and how much return you should get for the dollar you're spending. But then you've got to actually be able to analyse it on the way through to prove that. 100%. Yeah, so you learned that. Yeah. I, mean, I probably can ask you what you learned that you don't like to employ in business and what did you learn from um, big organisations that you don't like? Yeah, I think it's the – you can employ people for the sake of employing people. I think there's far too many people and then you get that sort of slow down in process and things never get done. And I learned that age is not relevant. So in those big organisations you – it's very much the older you are, the more experience you're meant to have, which means you're the better person for the job. But um, that's definitely not the case. No, okay. So it's around the other when you say age is not relevant, you mean um, they don't uh, get rid of you because you're too old. Yeah. If, I, if, yeah. if you've been there a long time, you're, you're – yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you've got ascendancy straight away. Yeah, and, I, and I, I guess in a business like that, it's probably more so because it's a, a little bit of an old school – boys club, telecommunication. Yeah. It is a boys club. So when you're coming through as a young, you know, competent female wanting to do things, you hit a lot of walls back then, you know, it wasn't really so female focused. Because, I mean, it comes down to who the boss of the organisation is because a lot of people out there be listening to this and they'd be thinking to themselves, look, I want to one day run my own business similar to what Kirsten's done. Um, I, but right now I'm working for a big organisation and uh, have I hit the ceiling? Should I make decisions to leave? How important is it for someone in a big organisation to look to the top of the organisation, in other words, who is the CEO, as to whether or not there is more to learn there? 
I mean, did you think about that? Did you look at who was at the top of the business in order to make your decision to stay and or leave or did you make your decision just by pure chance because maybe Matt was going off to England or something? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's interesting in a big, big organisation. So we were in marketing. So we probably looked to, you know, head of marketing. You don't necessarily have a lot to do with up top. But yeah, they drive the culture and they do things that inspire you. Um, I guess for me, I sort of, I left telecommunications and moved into some startup businesses. So my real passion for work and to build brands, some opportunities came my way and I sort of moved into, you know, other areas. So you're saying a brand build for, for startups? Yeah, for a startup. Yeah. I went into a business called Jobs, Jobs, Jobs at the time, and it was going to take on Seek. So right. that was my last job before I moved to the UK with Matt. Um, so for me, it was just an opportunity to build a brand. Like I was a passionate marketer. I, I loved everything about it. And I felt like, you know, something big like Telstra, it's already well established. It's just about... Can't make a difference, can you? Yeah, not really. Yeah. And I, um, I was eager to continue to challenge myself. And, I, and that is me to a T. I'm always looking for something harder to do. Um, I don't, I don't know why. Well, I do know why it's because it, it excites me. Um, but yeah, I was able to really make a difference there and, and build that brand, which I was responsible for, which I loved. Can I ask you a question? I mean, and it's, I mean, I'm sure lots of people think one of these about this question as a, you're married then as a wife of a a well-known rugby league player. He played for Australia. He played for Melbourne. He played for the Storm. He played for the State of Origin. He was a probably, I don't know what he's getting paid. But he probably was getting paid good money. Mm-hmm. Um, he received an offer to play in England. Where did he play? He Warrington. Played? Warrington, okay. Yep. They all in Warrington. <laughs> and, uh, but you're, you know, you're in your own right. Um, you know, you're independent of him. You've got your own job. You've got your own passions. You've got your own, you know, what you want to do. You've got your own things. You really want to prove a point around marketing for a small brand, jobs, jobs, jobs. Yep. And when your partner, husband, uh, gets an offer to move to Warrington, um, what happens? I mean, do you sit down and talk about it? But just generally speaking, for people who are listening to this, how do those conversations go? Like, uh, do you give everything up? What do you do? You follow Matt because he earns more money, or what, what happens? Or do you say, no, I'm going to go there, but I'll I'm already going to get a job over there before I get there. I mean, how do yeah. what's that process like? Yeah, it's interesting because it's a big interruption. Yeah, it was. Well, we, it's funny, we were still dating and the day before he left to go to Warrington, he proposed. So he had an agenda. (laughs) (laughs) Good on him. Uh, um, So, and I came like three months later. Right. So you followed him. So I followed him three months later. That was the conversation after we, you know, after he proposed. But I guess. How did you make that decision? Yeah, it was interesting. Well, I couldn't work in marketing in the UK due to the visa I was on. Right. So depending on the time, some, if you're a teacher, a nurse, a physiotherapist, that type of area, you can usually transfer your skills. But in terms of marketing, I wasn't on, I had to get sponsored to work in the UK. But during, um, you know, the couple of years before in Melbourne, I'd, I had completed my Pilates education. Right. So I came to a cross point where... But why did you do... Okay, just go back. So yeah. Why did you go and do that Prior yeah. to going to, to uh, England, because you didn't even know you were going to no, go No, I didn't. Well, I got to the point where I love to learn um, and I love to continue to challenge myself. And Pilates was a hobby for me. And it was a new thing too, relatively speaking. Yeah, I did it to actually um, rehab a knee that I injured running. Okay. 
Yeah, so that that's probably where it started, and and you know even still today most people uh, only know it at that a physio. Way. Did you did you first start doing it at started a physiotherapist? Started at a physio, and yeah. then went to the Royal Victorian School of Ballet, which had a very small Pilates studio there. And I had been a dancer growing up, and it just sort of it ticked all the boxes. So I went there because it was still a very new thing, and I just fell in love with it. It changed my body instantly. It gave me. Uh, relief from work. You know, I was working big hours, 16 hours, sort of six days this a week. This was a startup. Yeah, yeah, like loads and loads of hours. And I just loved it. And I used to do it two, three mornings a week. And I was considering, do I go back into my master's? Um, I'm a good student. I work hard. You know, is that something that's going to help me moving forward? And I'd always loved the human body. And I just have this ability to see it in a different way. And whether that's from dancing or whatnot, but I just, it totally intrigues me. So I decided to do my Pilates qualification. I loved it. It was going to challenge my brain. I got to do all this anatomy and science. And I thought one day when I have kids, it will be a great job, a part-time job. So I just went and did it. And just tell me back a little bit, no, mm. just before you go on, um, when you say a Pilates qualification, what was Pilates then? I mean, was yeah. it on those boxes that uh, they have or is it on the floor? I mean, what, what yeah, so I did a diploma um, with the APMA, which is the Australasian Pilates Method Association. It was a 12-month course, which was the, I guess, the theory side of things. Then on top of that, you had to do a 1,000 uh, assisted teaching hours. You had to do 500 sort of observation hours and you had to do 200 self-mastery hours. Okay, so well, that's like a thousand, that's like 50 hours, 50 weeks or 20 hours a week. Long time. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's a very skilled um, sort of movement practice, which a lot of people I don't think really understand these days because there has been a big influx in the, a new form of Pilates. But so for me, I did everything from the mat to the equipment. And there's a lot more equipment out there than just reformers. So right. there's other reformers of the boxing. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, they're those big ones that all the gyms sort of have yep. now. I've so, I've seen one which is sort of like a bed type thing with a. Uh... Oh, the poles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's called a Cadillac. Right. Yeah, so that's more of a private sort of. Studio yeah, I've seen one-on-one on one people doing. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that, and I did uh, pre and postnatal at the time, and sort of sporting injuries and pathologies. Can you explain what what the fuck is Pilates? I mean, like, what, yeah, who, who is the dude who come up with it? Like, jo- Joseph Pilates. <laughs> oh, there is such a person. <laughs> there is name. a guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. German guy. Um, Why did he do it? I mean, oh, I mean, it's actually quite incredible. So in in the war, he was an, a nurse caring for people, and he flipped over one of you know those old steel beds that used to have the springs that run down yep, them. Yep. Um, and he he turned that into a reformer to rehab all these people that had, you know, arms falling off and terrible, terrible injuries. And he then sort of brought it back to New York. And then his wife and himself sort of started teaching from his house. There is a piece of equipment called a wonder chair, which he created from his lounge chair at home. So it's really quite interesting. I guess in its simplest form, it's a method of movement which concentrates on realigning the body. We talk a lot about neutral spine, but if I was to explain that in layman's terms, it's just the best possible position for your body to allow all your muscles to work properly and to balance you out. So tight muscles cause injuries or imbalances and then your body can't work 
to its best. Um, so that, I guess that's what it's about. And then it, it works slow twitch fibers in your body. Explain that to me. Yeah. So, um, I actually teach Pilates to the roosters, um, and a couple of the other rugby league teams and they come to me because the majority of their training is fast twitch fibers. So explosive movements, big weights, um, most of the work you would do in a gym is fast twitch fibers. So for me, Pilates is slow twitch fibers. That's like the internal sort of connection that allows your fast twitch fibers to work more effectively and for a longer period of time. So it's what holds you together. So it's all those tiny muscles in your shoulders, in your pelvis. It's the side of your bottom, like the side of your glutes, not your big glute max. You mean the, the gluteus minimus? Yeah, the minimus, yeah, and the medius. There's two in there. It's the, it's the adductor inside Which your Which is the things thigh. you tear. Things you tear, and yeah. that's why I teach the boys. You know, mm. they come, they walk in, you think they can do everything. You know, they just look incredible, and I put them on a reformer bed, and they're sweating in about mm. a minute. They're shaking, and they're like, what is going on? And it's just that I'm training muscles that they're not used to training, but they really help balance their body and make their bodies work so much more effectively. And for just the normal person, it's the same thing. You know, we spend hours at a desk. If you're a new mum, you spend hours holding your baby, crouched over. If you're someone who loves cycling as a hobby, your hips are going to be terrible. Because they're pushed in. Yeah, like yeah. you're tight and you're just sort of doing that repetitive movement of up and around. Um, it's, it's really, I guess my most favourite thing about it is it doesn't discriminate. It's a form of movement that actually benefits everyone and it benefits not only their body but their mind, which is um, why I love it so much. It's able to heal. I remember Anthony Minicello many, many years ago yeah. when he had the, like he had two or three back, back operations. Surgeries, yeah. And then he managed to come back and play better than he'd ever played before and uh, and we won a grand final with him. And uh, But he puts it his recovery down largely to Pilates. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, to be honest with you, like at the time everyone was like, oh, yeah, it sounds like a lot of books. Because Minnie's into some out there stuff. I mean, yeah. foods and various other things. But uh, by the way, the guy's like the best physique you've ever seen, even today. And then he, in particular, he wasn't a big guy, but like he could bounce off people and his strength was incredible and his speed and he, just his ability to move was yeah. incredible. A bit like Tedesco today. And I wonder where, and I used to think to myself, it sounds like all bullshit to me, this bloody stuff. But I, I went and tried it myself um, and uh, I found it extremely difficult. Yeah. And, I, and I'm used to lifting weights and boxing and stuff like that. But I found it really challenging. And, uh, um, it, but it did make a difference in my strength yeah. and the way I stood up yep. and the way I carried myself. And Minnie swears by it still today. Yeah. So you're still doing that. You do it for the roosters as rehab or as routine? We do it, yeah. So we call it prehab for the, the boys that are in routine, so right. routine. Yeah. But I also do um, rehab for a lot of the knees and shoulders and adductors. Yeah, because that's where they get a lot of injuries in, in the groins yeah. or just below the groin. Yeah. yeah, so we sort of, I assess how they move and look at, you know, what they're doing. And straight away for me, I'm like, they're weak here and this isn't quite right. Um, and then I just strength, strengthen those muscles. You know, it's funny, many years ago, I mean, it's a little bit off topic, but I went to a, a yoga class. I mean, I, I got really got into yoga like a long time ago. Um, I haven't done for a while, but I, I got into it maybe 10 years ago. And, um, and mainly because um, it was full of hot chicks and stuff like that. And uh, I went in there and, um, and I was sort of pretty confident about how I could do it. And um, I tore my glutamus minimus, whatever the hell it's called, glute minimus, whatever, the small one you're talking about. Yeah, anyway. It snapped yeah. and it went whack. Like that, and my butt 
cheek went right up into oh, a ball yeah. and I was stuck in the middle of fucking yoga class. Anyway, I hobbled out, really embarrassed. <laughs> I hobbled out, took myself to the hospital. They did a, a soft tissue and they did what do you call it, ultrasound on yeah. so, And I was on crutches then for quite a while. And um, and the, the way I rehabbed myself back was many, many months later though, it took a while. Yeah. And even to this day, it's still weaker on yeah, the left side. Yeah, scar tissue. Yeah, head. it probably is, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I, I think this whole, um, um, this movement towards movement yeah. is really brilliant. Oh, it's, I mean, it's so great. I mean, right now at a time where mental health is, you know, so topical, the amount of people that come through my studio and are on medication for mental health and they have been referred to start Pilates because of that. So it's the movement thing is amazing, but it's like the movement to heal. It's funny, you know, because I know people who have injuries and go and have operations and they, they do fall into a, to a depression. Yeah. They, or they can get depressed. And I'm, I mean, I'm in a very crude way. I just, my, my response would get outside, get, have a look at the, go for a walk. Yeah. Simple stuff. Um, Simple. And, and or do exercise. It's yeah. always my go-to thing. I mean, if I don't exercise, my, my brain just blows up. I've got to, I've got to exercise. And this the whole th- throughout COVID – now that I'm back going to the gym, I feel much better. I was training like, like crazy before, but now I feel much better that I'm, I'm going to the gym and because I'm doing different types of movement. Mm-hmm. So would you be able to fill me in as to this passion? You obviously have a passion for this. You have a, you have a passion for body and movement and you have an understanding of it clearly from your, your learning and your skills. How did you go from there to being in, in the business of Pilates, how did you make that jump? Why did you decide to leave what you were doing in terms of commerce? This still is commercial, but what you did in terms of the startup into actually running a Pilates business. Why? How? Why? Uh, I think you, it's the passion. Like it was something that I loved and I could genuinely help people. And for me, that's something that I found just really fulfilling and really motivating. Like I wanted the fact that I can make you feel better and whether that's mentally or physically or fix an injury, that's just like, you know, that's a, that's winning a prize for me. Well, why did you say I'm, I'm going to give away this job that I'm getting paid for, even though you're working 16 hours a day? Well, why did you decide to – that's a big leap. Yeah, it is a big leap. I think you get to a point where um, – I, well, I guess for me at the t- it was a timing thing. I moved to the UK and where we were living in Warrington literally – you know, 500 metres around the corner was the tiny little Pilates studio and I walked in and it had all of this shiny new equipment in the back but no one knew how to use the equipment. And I walked in as an Australian, which in the UK they love, and I said to her, um, I just went to do a class and at the end of the class she said to me, oh, you do Pilates? And I said, yeah, I did. I've done my teacher training and she offered me a job that night. Like she got my number off the form and she said, come in and work for me. And it just was, you know, I didn't know anyone over there. Matt was training all the time. And so I went in and I just started teaching and I, I fell in love with something else. You know, I, I did my training and fell, fell in love with the human body. And right back when I was in high school, I always thought that I wanted to be a physiotherapist, but then I just never went down that path. So potentially it was something deep inside that, you know, I awoke and then. It is a form of physiotherapy. Pilates is, yeah. So that I ended up back to where, so in year 10, my work experience was in a physiotherapist. So maybe I should have continued going down that path and, um, and I would still be in, you know, Pilates or physio today, but I really do do a form of 
physio and Pilates now together, a combination of functional movement. But I, I think for me, it was just a timing thing and my, and my love for it. And I couldn't work in marketing over there at the time. So I worked there, loved the clients, built that lady's business up for her. And so when we moved back to Sydney, it was a no-brainer. I just continued with that then. And because I then had my own business here, I was able to use all my skills. And you bought a business, sir? Yeah, I did. I bought a business. And what was the business called? Fluid Form. And we're going to talk about that after the break because that's the business you trade out of now. Yes, I do. But equally, you're still doing consulting work to people like the Roosters. That's not Fluid Form doing that, is it? Uh, It's me as Fluid Form. Yeah, yeah. But but Fluid Form also has a a big audience, a bigger audience of people who subscribe and or do stuff online. Yeah, and I have online and I have um, two studios currently. Two studios. So I want to go to, uh, go to the break. I want to talk about that. Um, and I, So basically I want to talk about fluid form. I want to talk about its business, the proposition. And I also want to talk about the experience you've had just more recently through COVID. Because, I mean, to be frank with you, us being locked down is a brilliant opportunity for online physical exercise. Yeah, it was. We're back from the break with Kirsten Keenak. Kirsten's business is called Fluid Form. Um, it's a Pilates business, but we're going to talk about what type of Pilates business it is. Um, I, I guess the first thing I want to ask you is, how did the opportunity for you to buy this business called Fluid Form arise? So I, I returned to Sydney, so never lived in Sydney before. Um, and a girl that I did my training with out of Melbourne had recently um, started Fluid Form her and her husband, and they invited me in as a consultant. So to come in to assess the business as it was and to help them from like a marketing and commerce point of view. And long story short, um, I was working as a consultant. They um, had a marriage breakdown. I came in and purchased half of the business from the husband and continued to work alongside my business partner. And then I bought her out about 12 months later. And fluid form, what type of business was it? Like how was it actually um, delivering the product? Was it, it was. classes or how? Yeah, classes, yeah. It Visual was, class, like, uh, like uh, not online classes. like Not online. It was person. just purely in-person, face-to-face, private. One-on-ones. One-on-ones and small group, which was one instructor to three clients. Right. So more like a, stu- a very um, studio type Pilates, not the type of Pilates that you see now which is 10 to 30 beds in a room. Right. So, um, and was it rehab style or was it, uh, yeah? Yeah. The way in which fluid form works is you do an initial consultation and we assess your body and we look at your imbalances and your pelvic stability and your core strength. And then we create a program just for you. Right. So you would do a different program to what I would do. And there's yourself I'm and sure I would be doing it two other clients and an instructor. So it's, it's bespoke learning. It's almost like a personal trainer. And do you use the um, uh, equipment or are you just doing it on the floor? No, there's, we have all the equipment. So yeah, it's a full, fully equipped studio. So Cadillacs, Wonder Chairs, Reformers, and we do lots of mat work, Swiss ball, bands. We, yeah, we do it all. And then you bought this, your partner out, the lady mm-hmm. out, and so you own Fluid Form. And how many studios did you have? So at the time I had, Darl- I bought Darlinghurst and Waterloo, Dank Street Waterloo. And then I closed down Darlinghurst um, to concentrate on Waterloo. I was about to, I just had actually our second little girl, Willow, and I had a staffing issue at um, Darlinghurst and I just couldn't get on top of it. And so I consolidated 
to get on top um, so that I could feel like I was actually making a difference in the business. And there were some changes that I needed to make in order to allow the business to grow. So I did that. Then we operated just as Waterloo. And then two years ago, I opened Clavelli. And are you, uh, is it a different type of distribution though? Are you like doing big classes, 20, 20 30 people? No, or are you just still doing the... Yeah, we don't really. I always, I've always been super authentic to who I am and what I wanted to do. And about five years ago, I was offered um, a lot of money from an investor for me to open fluid form as reformer studios, 30 beds in a room. Let's open them up. So I get a little bit like, yeah, like KX or those bigger groups are. And I just, albeit was like a great, I guess, financial offer. It just wasn't something that was what I wanted to do. And it, it wasn't what fluid form was. So I said no to it um, and continued down the path of just looking after my clients. And, you know, we've got great clients. We've got clients that have been with us for since the beginning. They come two to three times a week. It's like it's part of their lifestyle. And, you know, that, that was fine. But then I wanted a new challenge. I wanted to see if I could take the brand without me working in a business so much and create another studio because... I was my business's greatest asset, but I was also its biggest risk. Well, your biggest constraint too. Yeah. Because you can't be everywhere. Can't be everywhere. You know, I've got three little girls. Um, We had our third little girl. I was out of the business for four weeks. Capacity dropped by 20% in four weeks. Watched it the next week. It dropped again. And so, you know, I came back in, baby in hand and didn't necessarily teach straight away, but I just knew I had to fix it. I'm not someone that can just sit and watch from afar. And I have a, an enormous capacity to work. I'm a, I'm not, you know, I'm a good worker and I don't get tired easily and I can operate on minimal sleep, which is all um, I'm very fortunate to do. I know that. And so I came back and then, you know, got that business up and going. But then I just wanted to test myself. And that's when I opened Clavelli. I opened it with me only working there two hours a week. Are you, are you staying true to your own philosophy that you always had, that is small groups, small classes? Yes. Or have you started to think maybe I could just, especially with um, the online environment, mm. maybe I could do 50, 100? Yeah, or, it's interesting. Um, um, I mean, have you been down that track? I mean, or is that just too commercial for you? I think, look, I looked at it, but I opened Clavelli as an, as an in-between that. So I wanted a slightly different business model. Um, because obviously with the Waterloo studio, it's one instructor to four, four clients. So you can only make as much money as you can because of that. So I opened Clavelli with six, it, it's a slightly different model. So it's six beds and one instructor. So it's, it's not like it's the 10, 15s, 20s. I just didn't want to do that. It just wasn't what fluid form was about. And I knew I could still have a great business um, that would make money and that would service the community that it was within and it would still be authentically fluid form. So well, tell me what fluid form is then. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I know it's Pilates, but yeah. I mean, what are you talking about? Like, are we talking about rehabbing people or, I mean, or this is older people who can't, which want to be able to move? I mean, what are we? Yeah, it's, um, it's really, it just doesn't discriminate. It's a brand that is very. How do you find your clients? Inviting. Uh, I don't do any real form of marketing never had. I have an Instagram, which has slowly built up over time and it's just word of mouth. And so, but what, what, let's say word of mouth, let's, let's give me an example. Like for, does someone say, uh, um, hi Mark, um, you, you channel operation on your 
lower back, you should go to fluid form. Like, how does this word of mouth move? What, I mean, what's yeah. the message that the word of mouth carries? Well, our number one um, testimonial usually comes at the end of every testimonial we get is, it's changed my life. And that's like, it sounds so corny and like no, I'm, no, I'm making good. it up, but, but what was that's it. Was it a shit life before? I mean, well, what no, it's different for different things. So like, when I say we don't discriminate, I have super fit, healthy you know, people that come whose bodies are just a bit out of whack and they, or they've got these crazy brains and they work in these intense jobs and they come in and they're wired and they're, you know, if they go to a gym, they just become more wired and it just doesn't work. You know, you can end up with adrenal fatigue or they just need a, a release, an outlet. So for them, Pilates is that. They get the workout, they get the realignment and because they're enjoying what they're doing, they're not continuing to sort of hold all that tension, their body's changed. So how does that person, that particular individual, yep. sounds like me, but how do you, <laughs> how, how does he or she find it about you? Through someone who they've seen and said, oh my God, you look amazing. And they go, oh, I've been going to fluid form or they might, um, you know, the people sort of start talking and well, the, the brand good, has great awareness. Let now, me give you a good example. Yeah. My mate, Jeff Fennick, right? Mm-hmm. You know, whole, whole life boxer, yep. like super fit guy. Right now, he had me saying he's overweight. Um, he had an accident a little while ago. He, he hurt himself, hips all bruised and leg, tops of his legs all bruised. He, he fell. Um, hasn't been out of train, but he likes a glass of wine and uh, doesn't eat much, actually. Um, but is that the sort of person would come to you? I mean, can you, when you say you change someone's life, I mean. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I mean, he would, how would you, how, I mean, like, how, how would you get him? Because, like, for example, I'll give it, he would say, fucking Pilates. There's no way in the world. Like he's used to getting punched in the mouth and punch people in the mouth. So yeah, look, how do quite, you win those over? Yeah. So, so I have, I've had men like him and usually their wife. So what happens is the wife starts coming. She starts looking great or she comes home and she can't stop talking about it. And the husband is like, what's what? Like, and he's sick of hearing about it. But then he notices her body changes. And the next thing she comes in and she says, my husband wants to come in and do an initial consultation. Is the body change because they, do, they, do they change the diet too? Because diet's got a lot to do with all no, this stuff. No, it's, it's Pilates is something that it, it just, so if you're tight in one area of your body, it's stopping your opposing muscles from working properly. Right. So people see a significant change. So there's it's, logic there. There's science there. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Um, so, th- so that's one thing. Right. We have a lot of referrals from physios, surgeons. We do a lot of post um, pre and post back surgery. So we get a big referral through that way. Um, so that's another way yeah. that potentially someone who has been injured. That's rehab more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it makes is, sense. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of yeah. rehab after yeah. an operation or something. But other than that, it's, you know, your friends, your family, your wife, um, you know, you see the change, you see the mental and physical change in someone. So like, when you say you see a change, I mean, pardon me for my ignorance, but when yeah. you say you see a change, what do you see? Like, uh, do people lose fat or what is it? Yeah, or muscle yeah, grows? Look, it's or it's not. Yeah, they can. So if you're they stand straighter, stand straighter. They they their bodies sort of become longer and leaner. They have this nice sort of tone through their body that they wouldn't have had because a lot of those slow twitch fibers that we we're talking about earlier, you probably haven't worked them before. So you start working these muscles that you've never felt, and of course, there's going to be a change in your body. There's going to be a visual change, and you're going to feel good as well. So people feel it in their clothes more so than see it on the scale straight away. Right. This is not about a scale thing. It's about a shape thing. Yeah. And then you start feeling good. So then the diet naturally usually changes after that or you start coming more often yeah. or things like that. Yes. Yeah, so that, that's, it's sort of quite intriguing. I'm starting to think about it again. Um, I mean, as I said, I haven't done those for a long time. Um, I tend to 
you know, I hang around those environments where it's very macho. And uh, mm-hmm. so that, that's interesting. Um, you got my curiosity going. So how do you turn that uh, – got it. I love it, okay? Mm-hmm. Now let's just get on to something a bit more commercial. <laughs> um, COVID just happened, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would have thought a business like yours, you know, it's sometimes embarrassing mm-hmm. to say, but you you can take advantage of COVID, these lockdown periods, because yeah. all of a sudden people want to – do something online. They can't get to the gym. Yeah, they yeah. can't do what they normally do. They can't go and lift weights, etc. Mm-hmm. They're looking for a way to do something. And to be honest with you, a whole lot of people started to become more curious and explore new things. Mm-hmm. Definitely. How did how did you how did it affect your business? Well, fourteen months ago, I launched Fluid Form at Home. So is that is that what it's called? Fluid yep. Form at Home. Yep. Dot com dot au. Is it a website? Yeah. If you can just if you go to Fluid Form Pilates, it's part of that. Right. So I'd opened Clavelli. That was my challenge. Wanted to see if I could open a studio that I only worked two hours in and would it work? And it did. And it was humming along nicely. It was um, one and a half years old. It was great. And I just still didn't have the time to see everyone I wanted to see. And I have a lot of clients who travel for work or travel for pleasure. And they would come to me before and they'd say, I need to book in a private with you. I want you to write me out a program can you organize the equipment for me? And I'm away for six weeks. So can you make it so it's not so boring too? And I'm like, okay. So it just became this time consuming job. And I just didn't have the time to see them. And they were good clients. And I want to, you know, I want to make people happy. And so I started thinking about online a while ago, even before I launched it 14 months ago. So even before that, but my issue was, could I develop a program that, was true to who I was and who Fluid Form Pilates was and you would get the same experience. So I did loads of sort of research and I practiced the workouts, I wrote programs, I trialed it on clients and I just one day was like, let's do it, let's give it a go. Worked out what it was going to cost, wasn't going to cost much, just needed to, could the website hold videos, could they be locked, subscription-based model, all of that. So there was, you know, there was thinking behind it. I was interested in subscriptions. I was like, this is a good business model. I like it. I'd done some research overseas, you know, just reading. And so I did my first sort of filming, launched it 14 months ago, and it just exploded from day one. People that couldn't come to me in Australia, overseas could now, because by this stage, I guess my, the awareness of fluid form had over time become greater and greater. Um, and we launched it and just sign up started coming in and we decided that with your sign up, you'd get a free equipment pack. So there was, so what, what do I get? So take me through. So it. you get, uh, so I might sign up. I'm actually thinking about it. So I'll go to your website yeah. um, and then I'll subscribe and I pay what, how much? What? So it's $49 a month. Yep. And I get a starter pack. You get a starter pack. Which um, is, what's in that? When that is two discs. Five, so the discs are like those sliders for your yep. feet or yep. your hands. Five resistance bands and a Pilates ball. Right, okay. okay. That's that's your first piece of equipment. Yep. And you get access right now to about 150 workouts on the website. Right. So over the last 14 months, I've each six weeks, I film for two days. How, how do I choose, how, like, 150 freak How do you know out. what to do? Yeah, that'll yeah. freak me out. Oh, fuck, 250. Yeah. <laughs> so I've created this theory called flow. So depending on... Uh, certain categories, it will slot you into a flow. So you might be, let's say you're an intermediate flow. And so you'll click on that button and it will give you a six month journey and it'll tell you what 
ex- what program to do each day and basically you just click on it and the video will appear. Yep. We just launched a brand new uh, website about two weeks ago. So you can now search, say, say you've hurt your butt and you need mm. to work on your glute med, you can search glutes, um, you want to use your resistance band and your advanced and then up will come all the workouts or you want to work on your core or you want to work on your upper body strength or I do things like there's a postural correction challenge on there at the moment. So during COVID, I knew everyone would just be becoming more and more rounded. So I put together a particular challenge there to help people. So I have created all these workouts, which are very much reflected of the studio online. And it's just me to the camera doing the workout with you. So I talk you through it. Um, I talk a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> that makes sure that no, but you're, that's important. That so, you're and, safe. And how long does a workout go for? So the mi- the mini workouts go for about 10 to 12 minutes. Yep. And the big workouts go for about 45. And in a calendar, you do a selection of those during a month. So would, would you, do you have to do this every day? Or? Yeah, every day. But the least you're doing every day is like 15 minutes. So if all you can manage is 15 minutes, yep. you, could, you could pop it on the screen now and do it on the floor there. So what I worked out is that if you did 15 minutes a day every day, it's the equivalent of coming into the studio mm-hmm. three times a week. Right. So that's brilliant because that's what we suggest. And then what was even better was that the results started happening. So people had gone from maybe exercising, because I'm a big believer in a little bit every day is better than one total blast. Right. Because your body needs that repetition. Muscles need repetition. Um, And it just keeps the body active, like we're talking about movement. So 15 minutes a day for most of these people out there and their, their bodies are just transforming in front of their eyes. But more importantly, they feel fabulous. So it's, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, it has to be easy enough yeah, not does. to deter me. And I would say others would be in the same category. I yeah. mean, are you saying to me that your various levels, et cetera, is, is so that it doesn't, it's easy enough but still hard enough, but it's easy enough not to discourage me? No, it won't. And if you are a beginner, there's a beginner flow for you to follow and if you are a new mum who's just had a baby and you've got abdominal separation, there's something there for you. So I've made sure that there's an option. But the nice thing with Pilates is it's a very simple movement can affect us all in a very different way, but actually in a positive way. So even we do a lot of isometric holds, not necessarily awkward or painful, like maybe some of the... Like a plank, for example. Yeah, plank, yeah, you hold that. That's what, I mean, that's what you mean by, by Yeah, yeah, hold. like you hold that. We do a lot of lunge stuff um, about pelvic stability. I sort of work on pelvic stability first because everything sort of builds up from there. But it's it's not hard. It's challenging, but it's it, it wouldn't deter you. Yeah, because it, it's got to be something that I'll keep doing because it's not, it doesn't have to be easy, but it has to be... I mean, I would use it to supplement the other things that's I do. That's right. I would say I'll do this on top of the other things. I can do it in my office, for example. I mean, th- th- this sort of stuff, if I had interviewed you pro- during the, the heavy COVID period when it was, I was stuck in my office all the time, this sort of thing is the sort of thing I would have done in my office. Yeah, that's right. I could have just opened my laptop up and mm-hmm. taken one of your subscriptions and just gone and had done something like this because – and 15 minutes is enough or 20 minutes is enough. That's right. It is enough. And yeah. uh, and I'm sure, you know, you know, I could have upped the, upped the ante, done more if I wanted to, but that would have been just enough for me um, just to get me through this period. Yeah. Because I saw exercise as something to get me through COVID. Yeah, I think – And a lot of people think that. I think so too, So yes. has that – your thing that you developed 14 months ago, Do you, are you getting feedback from people saying you helped me get through COVID? 
all the time. Yeah, all the time. It's like, that's pretty, that's the stuff that um, inspires me and drives me. Like, you know, some people are like money, you know, watch the money come in. But when I see that, that's like when I'm like, okay, I'm doing good. Well, like, that'll bring the money in anyway. That's right, it will. But yeah. yeah, so I've never really focused on that. I sort of focus on other sort of elements. Like in my business, I always look at capacity. I want to make sure that capacity is at a certain number. But with this, the customer testimonials, the fact that people just not only were they worried and stressed about COVID, they were worried and stressed that they weren't going to be able to move or enjoy moving or what type of movement. And then Fluid Form at Home was already there. So I didn't have to scurry around to create something like everyone else had to. Was there anything you did do during COVID that was something you added to what you already had to make the COVID period more beneficial for your clients? Yes. What yeah. did you do? Well, because I ran out of equipment packs and I couldn't get them out of China. And yep. so I filmed a non-equipment six-week program. So that meant that people that weren't going to receive their packs straight away could still sign up and access everything that was there. And, and you might have some of that equipment at home anyway, but I think you couldn't get you couldn't go and buy it at Rebel or anything. You like couldn't that. buy any gym equipment. Anything. No. Nothing. So we had a whole lot of packs at the beginning of COVID, um, and then they went within about two weeks. And so I went in and I filmed, knowing that that was going to happen. I could see in the first three days that I mean the growth was unbelievable. And I was like, okay, we're going to be out of packs in ten days at this rate. So I went in and I filmed a non-equipment workout, and that allowed something for people to sign up, still feel part of it, and still work out at home. That's a great innovation. I mean, I've got to say this to you. Like, um, I mean, I launched um, a pitch competition where I'm going to give out, along with Lexus, um, it's called lexusandmentoredgrant.com.au. Um, over the next month, we will be accepting pitches from anybody who during either the bushfires, the drought, the floods or COVID mm -hmm. have come up with some innovation that they need $25,000 to help them build this innovation in relation to making their business better. Yep. I want to reward people who come up with great ideas, people who are ahead of the curve. Yeah. So I, I'm, we're running out of time and I'm, I mean, these sorts of conversations, I really enjoy these sorts of conversations, particularly when it comes to the physical body and, and how you, you, you stay healthy and fit and happy is probably more important. Mm. Um, but I always give everyone an opportunity to ask me one question. Have you got any questions for me? Yeah, I do. So as obviously with Fluid Form at Home, and where I'm actually just about to launch some franchises as well for Fluid Form. Um, there's the conversation around we've had huge growth from the beginning and obviously COVID had even more growth. Accelerated it. Accelerated yep. it, yeah. But um, the whole discussion around self-funding your business versus getting outside investment, mm. what's your sort of take on it? Because it's been self-funded. There's no loans. There's nothing. It's just I'm very cautious um, and so step by step, it's sort of, I've been lucky that the growth in the business has supported to be able to do more filming, but you get to a point where you think, okay, well, potentially if I was to do a big advertising campaign, but that's going to cost, you know, a big chunk of money, or if I wanted to go and overseas more, or you want to set up a distribution. Well, I'll put it another way to you. If I said to you, Kirsten, um, I will invest hundred thousand dollars into your business you know, all your businesses, in other words, all the various parts of your business, um, what I would, then I would say to you, what will you do with $100,000? You say, you might say, Mark, yeah. I'm going to market, I'm going to throw it into online marketing, advertising, I'm going to get a film crew in there, I'm going to get other people to do the examples and I'm just going to set some menus and mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll step back a little bit. 
then I would say to you, okay, well, Kirsten, what percentage are you going to give me for that? Yeah. And you say to just say, we're just making things up. Let's say, Mark, I'm going to give you 25%. Okay. Just say the business is worth 400,000 pre money is worth 500,000 post money. Um, and then I'd say, okay, well, that's great. Um, I'll take 25%. Um, but 25%, I, I want, I, we need to form a little bit of a management committee here, right? Like, uh, so we're a board. Yeah, sure. I want to, I want to be on the board. And you say, okay, well, Mark, if you're on the board and you got 25%, then I can be on the board and I'll put Matt on the board. So we got two thirds, one third. And I say, okay. And, be, but, and then I'll, we'll go to my first board meeting. I'll say, um, now, why don't you do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, why don't we expand into this area? I'm an investor, right? I, I'm not in, I, I don't do what you do. I'm just want to return on my money. And you say, well, Mark, I don't like that. I mean, I, I don't want you to do the Alexis. We don't want to do the Alexis style business. But I'm going to say, but I'm a 25% show. I'm on the board. I want to build a strategy with you. Um, how would you feel about that? Yeah, that'd be that'd be the, a discussion that we'd have that would probably turn into an argument. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's your answer. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah, to me, good. just talking to you now, um, you're not in the um, widgets business. I'm in the home loan business. My money's no different to any. There's no money dollars. Okay, mm. a dollar's a dollar. Yeah. My money's no better than the CBA. CBA's no better than mine. I lend you money, the same terms as CBA, same interest rate pretty much, 30-year loan, everything's exactly the same. We all get our money from the same place. Um, so there's no personality associated or there's no personal views other than the things you have to say, you know, no fraud and all those sorts of things you'd expect of a, of a lender. But generally speaking, there's no personality associated with anything that I do in my product. Your business has a lot of personality. It's your personality associated with your product, your philosophy as yeah. well. Um, an investor will never have your philosophy. They'll never have your philosophy. Maybe if you can meet someone who is another Kirsten King, um, and who you're like got a sister thing going on. If you know, I mean, I, I don't mean real sisters, but a sister yeah, sure. thing going on. You try to find an investor. It's going to be really hard to find an investor who's going to have a like mind to you. Most investors are like me. Yeah, we're hard nosed. We want to return. I want to know in four years' time. We say, okay, four or five years' time, well, I want a liquidity event. And you're going to say, well, me, Mike, what's the liquidity event? But that means is that. In four or five years' time, the business must either be put off for sale, listed, or you've got to buy me out. And I'm going to, I want to return, which means I want to know that the business is worth more money in four or five years' time. You might say, no, but I'm happy with the money we make now, which means my buy-in price, $100,000, is not going to be worth $500,000 in four or five years' time. So I'm going to be pushing you to make it four or $500,000 in four or five years' time, which means I'm going to be asking you to do something which is going to increase the volume big time. Not just a little bit increase, but a big increase in volume. Yeah. And you and the philosophical issue then comes up. So I think self-funded for someone like you is probably better. Thank you. And once you get in the big bad world of investors, they'll buy what they call veto rights. They'll say, you can do whatever you like, but I just got the right to veto you. Yeah. I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you that you can't do something. <laughs> there's a there's not much difference between the two. You might say Mark, I'll give you, well, okay, veto rights kick in around about 20%. If you want me to put in 10% of the value, then there's probably not enough money in that for you to do any, make any difference to anything. Yeah. In which case, you're probably better off funding the, that growth yourself. That's just my gut feeling. What do you think about that? Do you have a question around that? No, it's, it's just good to, yeah, it's, it's good advice. Because I've been down this track many times, you know, and my business has always been widgets. I mean, I just sell the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, thousands yeah. and thousands of them, no personality associated with it. I mean, I put my personality to the brand, but not to the product. 
Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, and I, I operate in environments where there are no designer dollars. You've got to design a product. Mm. Yours product's special, which is why you sell it. Because yeah. people want to buy this special product. You want to get big, then you've got to go really big. Yeah. Massive. There's no, no, there's nothing in between, one or the other. You got to work out what suits you best, as a mom, as a wife, as a person who really believes really strongly philosophically in her product, who likes to be connected to her clients as well. Yeah. And um, maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you say, no, it's time for me to pull back. You just want to see the money come in. I mean, if that's where you want to be, find yourself a partner and uh, then, but be prepared to have those tough conversations, those difficult conversations. Because effectively, it's like uh, giving away part of your family when you bring an investor. Yeah. Good advice. Thank you. Thanks, Kirsten. Mm-hmm. It's been Thanks. great to have you here. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 